So today we're going to look at something that has fell by the wayside in modern times. I dare say in the age of comfort and convenience, for that's when everything really stopped. With the advent of the easy chair and air conditioning and television, we have lost a very valuable thing, which is personal evangelism. In fact, we not only have lost personal evangelism, we have freely given up our right to speak out to the world. For we fear we might be labeled some such name, that means we do not agree with them, and they label us a name, that means we don't agree with them, but that doesn't make them right. But we live in fear of those names. For truly, if we are of God, then we will not agree with the ways of the world, and they will not agree with us, and they will call us names. Yet we have let them silence us. They have contained us to some pulpits in the world. And I say some because the majority of pulpits anymore are not preaching hell is hot, God is real, Jesus is the way, and heaven is real. A majority of pulpits are not preaching that anymore. Now, I do want to point out that long before we let them silence us, long before we gave up our position to speak, we let the preaching be done only through the pulpit. We stopped the personal witnessing, the personal testimony, the personal evangelism. Now, I note that I am saying we, but I am talking in the collective. The advent of TV, air conditioning, easy chairs, among other things, has kept us in our own bubble. Not going out of our comfort area to tell others about the hell they face if they reject Jesus. Yet, as the Apostle Paul says, how can they know if they do not hear? And how can they hear if they don't have someone to tell them? Nowadays, they don't even see us get up and go to church like they used to, let alone hear of church. And I can almost bet how many of them hear of the Jesus we say we love, the Jesus we say died for us, the same Jesus that we cannot be bothered to live for, they don't hear of that either. We're going to go to John 4, 7. And we're going to talk about the woman at the well. I don't know if you ever thought about this before, but the woman at the well was witnessed to by Jesus. And in that account... He gave us the way to relate and to talk to others. And we're going to go through that this morning. John 4, 7. There cometh a woman of Samaria to draw water. Jesus saith unto her, Give me to drink. For his disciples were gone away unto the city to buy meat. Then saith the woman of Samaria unto him, How is it that thou, being a Jew, askest drink of me, which am a woman of Samaria. For the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. I think it's interesting that John goes out of his way here to say a woman of Samaria. He doesn't just say a woman came to draw. He didn't just say this woman showed up to do this work. He said a Samaritan woman. Jesus at the well in Samaria. Now, the Jews and the Samaritans, who were half-blooded Jews and Gentiles, they did not get along. The Jews 
and the Samaritans, the Samaritans who were half-blooded Jews and Gentile mixed, did not get along together. They did not. The Samaritans, according to history, were not following the Jewish rituals correctly. They were biracial, and the Jews thoroughly despised them. That's according to the history books. Now, the Samaritan, for their part, they were not too fond of the Jews. So she, uh, so she says to Jesus, How is it that you, a Jew, ask me to give thee drink? Jesus answered and said unto her, If thou knewest the gift of God, and who it is that saith to thee, Give me to drink, thou wouldest have asked of him, and he would have given thee living water. The woman saith unto him, Sir, thou hast nothing to draw with, and the well is deep from whence then hast thou that living water. Art thou greater than our father Jacob, which gave us the well, and drank thereof himself and his children and his cattle? Jesus answered and said unto her, Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again. So Jesus, in talking with the woman of Samaria, he ignores the social constraints. He meets the lady on common ground. He meets the lady with a neutral subject, and it's a fairly easy subject to comprehend. He does not open with the mysteries of the universe. He opens with a conversation of water, asking for the lady to do something that she can do, which is give him a drink. He says, I am thirsty. They are at a well, and he asks for a drink from the person who was there with the tools to draw the water. He's making it relatable. He then correlates the mercy and love of God that drew salvation's plan to something else she can relate to. Living water. He's staying within the topic of the water. Making it relatable. Making it experiential. He asks for water. Then tells her of the water he has. Salvation. He has thus opened a conversation very easily, very gently, very neutrally along a common theme not controversial not in your face but a thought-provoking conversation John 4, 14 But whoso drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst but the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. The woman saith unto him, Sir, give me this water, that I thirst not, neither come hither to draw. Jesus says, I have water that if you drink of it, it's going to spring up life. It's going to give to other people life, eternal life. So the woman says, well, I want this water. I don't want to have to thirst again or ever come out here to draw water again. Save me some trouble. Help me out. So once he has her hooked in conversation, curious and asking questions, fully invested as a way out of the daily struggle, which is going to the well, getting water daily, but he wants her to see the full value of what he's talking about, not just the relatable, but the full value. She is still seeing it on a physical plane, while he is talking on a spiritual plane. And that will be the nature that we shall face. The child of God will have this problem 
with the world. For we see things on a spiritual plane. They see things on a physical plane. And we have to get them to see what we see to understand what we know. But we have to do it the way Jesus did with a simple conversation about a simple everyday task that they're already doing. They cannot see the way we do through the Spirit. They cannot see the way we do through the Spirit, for they do not know the Spirit yet. So Jesus talks to her about the living water, gets her interested in the conversation, then he comes down and he brings her up a little bit more and meets her again and says, Go, call thy husband and come hither. He's going to say, well, go get your husband. Come along. Let's talk. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said unto her, Thou hast well said, I have no husband. For thou hast had five husbands, and he whom thou now hast is not thy husband. In that saidst thou truly. The woman said unto him, Sir, I perceive that thou art a prophet. Our fathers worshipped in this mountain, and ye say that in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. Jesus saith unto her, Woman, believe me, the hour cometh when ye shall neither in this mountain nor yet at Jerusalem worship the Father. Ye worship, ye know not what. We know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour cometh, and now is, when the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship him. God is spirit, and they that worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. The woman saith unto him, I know that Messiah cometh, which is called Christ. When he, will, when he is come, he will tell us all things. Jesus saith unto her, I that speak unto thee am he. Finally, Jesus in this passage gets to the core of the matter. He went from talking about an everyday, relatable, experiential situation, and he led her straight to talking about God. God is spirit. To truly worship God, we must worship in spirit. To do the worship in spirit, we must be born again. Not of water, which is where he started, but of the spiritual. The Father seeketh such to worship him. The Father seeketh worshipers. It's amazing, isn't it? The God that did it all wants us to fellowship with him. He created it all. We sinned, lost fellowship. He then gave us an interim way through the sacrificial system and the law to fellowship with him that we might see our need of him through our own volition, our own understanding through what he has given us. But we corrupted that system and we made it about the system and not about the God who set it up. Then he himself comes, pays the price that we never could, the perfect lamb, sacrificially, voluntarily given that we might have life. 
And after that, after he has already done it all, he keeps doing more, for he seeks those to worship him in truth and in deed. Or in truth and in spirit. Here, he gives us not a demonstration of not only how to testify and witness, but what to testify and witness of. He wants us to witness and testify of the goodness of God. God, the one who seeks us, wants fellowship with us, and wants us, and I want to emphasize this as much as I can, he wants us to want to worship and fellowship with him. He doesn't just want us to come to him. He wants us to want to. That's what God wants. He tells the woman of the water. He asks her for a drink. He tells her of the living water. He uses that to get into God. And then he uses that to talk about the Father. He tells the woman of the salvation to come, of the God who made it to happen. And then the reveal, which is what happens when we lead them to the right point and they finally see Jesus for who he is, the reveal on his part is, I am the Messiah. I am the one you're waiting for. He started all this with, can you get me a drink? And what's going to happen? There's going to be a revival. He met her on her level with a relatable subject, something she could understand, and he progressed it from there to God and his goodness. <clears throat> John 4, 39. And many of the Samaritans of that city believed on him for the saying of the woman which testified, he told me all that ever I did. She said, we know that the Messiah is coming. We know that the Messiah, the Messiah will tell us all things. Jesus is being testified of as the Messiah because he told her things that she did. So now they're coming to see the one who told her all things that ever she did. So when the Samaritans were come unto him, they besought him that he would tarry with them. And he abode there two days. And many more believed because of his own word. Jesus started an awakening, all because of a request for water. He saw a curious heart, and he gave us an incredible example of witnessing and testifying on an experiential, relatable way. We do not have to be earth-shaking in our testimony. We do not need to be deeply theological in our witnessing. Jesus turned a woman around by asking for a drink of water. That woman, related to, broken down, understanding, then goes to her village. And she did not say the Messiah was here. She went to them with words they would understand that the man coming, the Messiah coming, would tell them all things. So she goes back to them with something they would understand, that he told me all things I did. Now they are knowing that he is the Messiah. This is all relatable. This is experiential. She said, a man who told her all she had ever done, and they knew the Messiah was going to tell them all things, come see and listen to him speak the truth. Experiential and relatable. Witnessing, she spoke of what she knew. 
He, Jesus, spoke of something she knew. This is how we should be doing it. Relatable, experiential, and heartfelt. Speaking of what we know of the goodness of God and the Savior who saved us. That's how we should be out witnessing and testifying personal evangelism. 